And it's Katie, and this is Classically Black Podcast. Where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With trap beats playing in the background. I'm my throat turning dry as soon as I'm about to talk. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to, for the first time ever, I listened to uh, the wrap-up. What's it called? A year in review for the read. I don't know what they call it. They call it something. Oh, best of. Best of. Because cause I've already heard the stuff. So I was like, I don't know. But on Kwanzaa, I was cooking like literally all day. I needed something in the background. So, uh, and it made me realize like how much thought, like I, I didn't, I didn't like downplay it. But the fact that Carrie Figure comes up with something every week, every, it is so hard. I'm like two, four Maybe I did like five weeks that I did something. I was like, uh-uh, I had to just face it out. I don't know how he does it. Besides being like creative, of course. But it's just like, I mean, that's how I feel about the intermission. How do we would have had, <laughs> we okay. stopped doing intermission a long time ago if I was in charge of that. But there are repeats. Like we do, we do listens lately, at least quarterly. So there, there are repeats and stuff I like mean, that. out of 52 weeks in the year though, I feel like. It's girl, not that much. Right. girl even today i was like it was 10 minutes out and i was like okay i was washing dishes i was like what are we gonna do and also same thing could be said i mean sometimes they don't do the read you know what i mean they don't come oh you yeah know, that's so true kind of balances out yeah well um in an effort to not spend the first 30 minutes talking about something else like we did last week <laughs> I'm gonna jump right into the news. It's quick. Got something interesting to our inbox. Um, a new song was released for MLK Day. Uh, happy MLK Day, belated to y'all. Um, that's a partnership between the violinist Mary Benari um, and Flo Rida. Um, okay. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Where was he? Um, Where you been at? Apparently. They um, performed this song um, a while ago at the White House back when uh, Michelle Obama um, was residing there. Um, but it's called Symphony of the Brotherhood Rise. Um, and it's a, a musical statement that was um, delivered, and this is a quote, delivered to a society yearning for harmony, empowered empowerment, and good news. Um, it's a song that brings together different worlds, gospel, rap, violin, and the iconic uh, MLK is I Have a Dream. So it is actually featuring some words um, by Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and Ben Ari wrote the song while after visiting the MLK Museum in Atlanta. Um, and they're also a, a descendant of grandparents that survived the Holocaust. So um, they were were touched by Dr. King's words, which those two things together kind of inspired this song. So um, it's out now. So I will um, put a link in the description if y'all want to check it out. I just thought that was an interesting uh, thing. We're just getting more and more stuff that the people just be sending us stuff. Okay, thank you. I'm still on Florida. I haven't heard him since Boot to the Fur. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what he's been doing. I think he produced his too or something like that. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Like he didn't drop out the face of the earth. He got get his mother money other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, next, another thing that we got in, um, there is a 
event coming up from our cousins over there in the jazz realm um if you are in or around st augustine florida this might be of interest to you um so the first legally uh sanctioned free black settlement um in the united states is going to be the site of the inaugural fort moe's jazz and blues series in during black history month february 18th to 26th um and it's going to be a festival um, whose proceeds allow the construction of an on-site uh, fort representation and development and additional interpretive resources um, sort of based off of uh, the first free black settlement um, that it was. So it's going to be the Count Basie Orchestra is going to be there as well as uh, Gregory Porter, uh, Trevor Shorty is going to be there. A lot of different great instrumentalists, black instrumentalists who are coming together to celebrate black history um and the legacy of um of freedom and free black people in the united states so um if you're interested in that i will also link that in the description um and then last but not least apparently the finalists for sphinx came out so those are out i will link uh that in the description if you guys want to see who made it i was actually very surprised by that not by the results, but like by coming out. But I realized the reason was because it usually happens at the conference. And I was wondering, you know, as y'all probably know, Sphinx Connect has gone virtual this year. We will also be there, which by the time this comes out, that will be on Friday. So if y'all want to come, I think it's pay what you can. So you can pay nothing and come see us. Um, But I wonder what I was going to say. I wonder if they got like since the since the conference was supposed to be in person i wonder if they had to do their finals earlier than they were expecting to hmm also i'm wondering are they there hmm. well actually no because I, I thought that no that wouldn't make sense because someone told me that they were going to judge and they didn't they didn't they they weren't able to and it was like, oh wait, no, because that also wouldn't make sense because it was video, but you apply via video, so that I wonder how they're gonna do that. Oh, it's it's with piano, mm-hmm. piano. Okay. But I wonder, I wonder how the video set up because I remember I I watched some clips last year when they did it virtually, and so I wonder what the setup is because I feel like it would be easier for them to just have everybody come, and so everybody has like the recording, like and they just like recorded Sphinx records it. You know what I mean? Because hmm. now, I mean, I'm sure everybody's going to do the best they can to get the recording set up that's necessary for something like that. But They probably have help to do so. Yeah, yeah, they probably get they probably got a budget for that. That would only be fair. I'm also wondering, wait, how did they do it last year? Was it live last year? I don't know if it was live live or was it like, you know, pre- YouTube premiere type of live. Because what they should have done is just make, oh, make it stream from Zoom and just have them be in Detroit yeah and play with piano like on the stage or whatever that's how i would have done it and you could just you could just stream it to zoom so people could still like kind of get the experience of watching it i'm lit low-key because miss mama and her baby hairs are laid and i was like <laughs> as you should and oh, it's a bass so- player in the finals yeah i'm watching it was just refreshing for me because I feel like, you know, we know how these finalists be looking. And Miss Mama, she got her baby hairs. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And that just goes to show people be popping up all the time because I had never even heard her. And 
It just seems like every time I look up, it's a new black classical musician, period. We love to see it. Her name is Harper, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, sis. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go. First of all, I'm about to watch her so I can learn something. But, um, okay. Right. I mean, Katie, Katie coming up the rear, 2023. Sphinx okay. Laureate. Let me learn how to um, play yeah, a phrase about my Laureate. song dropping yeah. out. And, and, and then I can will, think about it. then. When I can figure out how to maintain, when I can figure out how to maintain my sound throughout a phrase, then we could discuss that and figure out. And if I could play when I figure out where my fourth finger go every week, every day, Mm -hmm. got you. All right, and I will be right here, ready for when that happens next month. But shout out to Joe Kanye student. Period. Kebra? He has a name. Kebra? His name's Kebra. Yeah. Kebra. Name. Sorry if I'm pr- mispronouncing your name. My apologies. Kebra, I'm going to be on fire. They got to be smoke coming out of that studio. Ain't no way. <laughs> For real. And I know he was in the semifinals last year, so it's like, you know, come on, improvement. And quickly. And quickly. Because a lot of the girls can't get out of the semifinals, which is yeah, also true. very sad yeah, to see. Because like, you try it every year, Sphinx. Cause every year yeah, new people pro- cropping up. It's like you know, yeah. Every year it's a lot of people that did not. You know, I, I wonder how many applications they get. Probably a lot since you know. Probably yeah, I'm about to say probably a lot. Let me not finish that statement. Yeah, but probably probably more than we think. Cause yeah, people yeah, yeah. like. Every time I've thought about applying for Sphinx, I be I say to myself, the prize is fifty thousand dollars for a reason. Uh, like people who do Sphinx, I feel the most successful ones. Obviously, there are anomalies, not even anomalies. That's a bad word for it. Exceptions. There are exceptions, mm-hmm. but it's like they these people do competitions. <laughs> like yeah. this is this is not a baby. I feel like I remember I was talking to somebody about considering doing Sphinx. I'm like, I feel like this shouldn't be my first competition. I feel yeah. like there should be other things you know um fifty thousand dollars for a competition yeah, for people who have who have been they've been in this space yeah i feel like yeah competitions that's a sport man i've done a couple of little baby competitions like in high school but like nothing even nothing even close yeah i think i did one competition and the prize was like hundred dollars like it wasn't it was even down at the church with the yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm good i get it i go through enough with auditions I don't, there's only so much viola trauma i could take so primrose loading right Catherine? the primrose that's also a lot of money i think it's also like 50k maybe 25k something like that I wouldn't even dare. I would never forget. I will never forget. I would never. All of my days. I'm talking about. I will never forget. On my deathbed, I will remember this. So, I worked at this festival a couple of summers ago. More than that, time means nothing. So long ago, and um, I had to pick up Nubuko on my. She wanted to go to CVS, so I took Nubuko on my to CVS. Who if people don't know. That's like probably one of the best fields of our time, and she's teaches in Japan. Oh, in Japan, okay, both of y'all. Okay, so so I told my like, Viola is like yeah you know I go to East Mortar whatever she's like so she, when she's getting out the car she's like oh like here's here's like my the information to my um my competition like I started a Viola competition I said girl 
I said I went to Eastman. I ain't say I was Eastman. Like, okay, Katie. <laughs> like, girl, I'm not entering your competition in Japan. It's a, also a international competition. Are you crazy? Are you? Are you mad, girl? Go get your stuff from CVS so I can go back home. <laughs> Katie, you gotta represent. Maybe if they had a children's division, I would. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, them kids, they be playing down. I mean, I was <laughs> Look. <laughs> they had a, uh, a kinder loop. Kinder. All right. Kinder music. There we go. They, um. Man, I can't even begin to fathom having that much confidence in myself to apply to an international competition. <laughs> I don't understand how you get that. I feel like you would have to be doing competitions like. Yeah, all of your adolescence. Yeah, and it's like a slowly. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I think you build the confidence by winning. You've won smaller competitions. You keep going up and up and up. Because I'm like, I wouldn't even feel right filling out the application. <laughs> First of all, no. The world. Oh my gosh, international. And you Come know, on. and you know, like people are. If you are traveling to Japan. Or you are traveling to Vienna to do a competition, you got money. Like you put in, you're you're betting on yourself. Why would you put two thousand dollars in to get nothing? You have you know you're gonna win. And especially like the, I feel like the winners not even feel like the winners at that level. The stuff, the stuff that makes them winners is really just having a good day and like the Lord on your side that day because you could have. You you could have had like one, had an amazing day yesterday and not good day today because everyone on that everyone who, I feel like who's in the final round of a competition of that like size like the Tchaikovsky competition it's like all of y'all could could win this there's not one you one person in here that can't win this it's like it's up to you like if you're having a good day or not like such small things that could that could potentially go wrong. Yeah, or right be adjudicated on one of those i'll be like uh what is it even coming down to at this point like <laughs> that's the thing what is it coming down to i'm like well you know miss mama shoes are low-key fire so i feel like that could have been it baby hair is on point so you know my okay. right i would have me and they're like uh this this what is this extra column here baby hairs yep mm-hmm to yep. the end. 10 out of 10 <laughs> 10 out of 10 saw some Bottega action 10 out of 10 you know I would hate to be especially because I mean especially because like of watching Sphinx over the years like you know we all have in our head who we think finna win and who we you mm. know and there's been two years in particular that my ranking has been I, there are other ones that I don't remember but there have been two years in particular where like some rankings have been off and I've been genuinely like show me the sheet I want to know what you wrote <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> there, yeah that I, I remember those I remember one year I forgot who it was was it Sterling where yeah. like them judges probably have to be escorted out because the whole audience had it figured out who won? Which year was that? You know what I'm talking about? It might have been Randall because Sterling won. Randall, Randall. It was Randall. Randall. And that's one of the ones I'm thinking about because I was like, show me the sheet. I want to know what you wrote. 
I'm like, ain't no way them they not getting escorted out, police presence, back to the hotel. Like y'all because, need to, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like almost like an upset win, to be honest. Like sorry to that person. I don't even remember who won. I do because I remember being like okay. I remember, <laughs> remember i don't even remember did he even play was he even on stage i don't remember his <laughs> okay I'm Congrat- saying, like, congratulations whole, to him but like the whole also, audience was like the vibe was off like we were like what happened it was like yeah somebody did y'all shuffle the papers or like because i'm like when they read the thing i'm like i don't even remember him performing tonight <laughs> like <laughs> Um, the congratulations to that man, and um, the other one for me was Aaron O'Gean, who was a bass player two years ago. He won, right? No, he got second. No, I think yeah, he got he third. Should. Oh, I don't remember details. Did he? Got, who won that year? I think he got third. Hmm. Which was ridiculous. Oh, I remember that year because I think yeah. a violinist got first. Or was, or was it, it two violins and bass? Was it two violins? I thought it was Gabriel who got first. Oh, but low key. Okay, I don't remember that performance. But Gabriel can he eats down. He does. Everybody in the finals do though. I mean, yeah, but like when you when I like even hearing him, it's ridiculous. Like he when he came to play with MSO at the Sphinx. I don't remember that day. I do. (laughs) I do. And 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 because and because everybody. First of all, I. Like, I know of Aaron O'Gean, so I was very excited to see him play. And even other people were like, what the, I didn't even know. Like, oh, my God, that best player, he should have won. Like, there were other people saying that it wasn't just me. It's not just, if y'all think, oh, Delaney's biased, X, Y, Z. No, it was ridiculous. Like, yeah, he's true. Yeah. And to be able to make it, yeah, yeah he need to come back. He need to come back. I mean, now he's moved abroad. He's playing in an orchestra somewhere in, like, Sweden or something like that. Norway. Oh, he lit. Something like that. But he need to come collect what's his for, at some point before he turned 30. Um. Oh, I feel like also why we're seeing new people at Sphinx is the repertoire changed. And I actually really like that because that way people who are, people who, you know, they do competition for sport and they're not really I don't know not really well maybe they are carrying out the mission of Sphinx because you know but like just like more authentic to the to the mission of Sphinx you know what I'm saying like they the the concerto for viola this year is this viola uh, the Sierra viola concerto I never heard of it why because it's always been Bartok or Walton um so um I think that's why we got to meet Miss Harper you know what I'm saying she ate it down and the girls who had their Bartok saved up didn't want to learn a new piece, probably. That's what they need to do for a junior division uh, base. I don't understand. I really don't believe that anybody... Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong if any if any junior division base player has ever won. I just don't see it happening. What? You guys... Pro- with Kusavisky. Everybody else get to play Mozart. What's the other what did they play? Stamets? Stamets. Not that, yeah, not that either of those are Stamets. easy, but because classical has its own, like. Girl, I hate playing classical. But, like, why don't you <laughs> throw. They can't play no Dead Storm. They can't play no Von Hall. Like, are you kidding? Kusavisky. Why? There's literally. I'm not saying I'm the measure or the blueprint at all, but there's literally no way in hell I could play Kusavisky as a child. 
I could even play in college if we're being honest. But yeah, I mean, Stamets is like everybody learns Stamets in high school. Do they learn it well? No, but everybody playing Stamets in half in high school. It's hard. It's it's hard. It's hard enough. It's like easy enough where it's like it's in a familiar key. It got some stuff in it, but a lot of it is just like you just gotta play fast and clean, which is hard, of course. But it's like yeah. it's hard enough where like you could get into an Eastman or Julia or whatever by playing that clean, you know. Because in my opinion, you really should not be eighteen playing no no freaking Walton or whatever. I mean, unless like you do that stuff. But if you're a regular high school student, you go to you know, you go to public school, private school, you go to school all day. And you learn in Walton on the on the weekend. I think that's a little bizarre, in my opinion. Um, but I, yeah, so, I just it makes sense. Other, Those things make sense. There are just other contrarities that, that like we don't have a lot, but we do have a couple. That is, your, is your Von Hall good? The Von Hall Viola Concerto sucks. What a terrible piece of literature. Von Hall is so boring. Wow, I he mean, is so. It's a bass concerto. <laughs> I thought I was like, is, your, is yours good? Because ours is not good. Sorry if that's your favorite piece, but Von Hall, the Von Hall Viola Concerto sound like he wrote that on a napkin at a restaurant while he was waiting for his check. I mean, I don't know. I don't really think that we have very many, at least not standard concertos that are comparable to some of the bigger ones like like Walton or Deshaun and Dredd. Like most of our stuff is not going to be like that regardless. So it's kind of like, like even, no, even the Bodicini Concerto. I mean, there are there have been newer ones about like the stand like the the standard ones, Kusevitsky, Bodicini, um, Dittersdorf, Von Hall, or like the 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 main one. Oh, Dragon Eddie, I guess they're not gonna give them Dragon Eddie though. Um, to probably think they're too good for Dragon Eddie, but then it's like there are other ones like the first example Senior Division is doing the Martin Concerto, but mm-hmm. that's new, newer. He's still alive and not old either. So I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like really because of whiskey, y'all. I just don't. I just feel like it's not that any no high schooler can play that concerto. They obviously they can. These kids be playing down, but the, for the type, I feel like just for the type of competition that makes is the caliber at which you need to be able to play. I just feel like, especially I don't know, bass also solo bass is a very underdeveloped. uh concept like we literally like solo bass as we as it exists right now is fairly new like i would say 1970s 1980s like (laughs) people was not playing as virtuosically as they do now um until like 40 50 years ago so but y'all might might have to wait a little bit longer yeah that's what I'm saying. They should just change the concerto. They should just change it to like Dittersdorf or something. Very good. Get you a petition going. <laughs> Do you imagine? I can't imagine being that pressed. I'm I sorry. mean, yeah, for a competition, I'm not even entering. And but I mean, but I'm also not surprised at this because of just how how the string girls be treating us. And also, like for example, that one year, the year that Aaron O'Gean was in the competition they didn't have a bass player on the ju- on the jury no that's now that pissed me off yeah how you not gonna have the, a ba- and then they had somebody who was an artist manager i'm like what who it was like somebody who was like you 
know, because like I know that they get deals and stuff, and you know, like the the people who who win, they get all you know for this career development. But I'm like on the jury, like, and you have you knew you had a base player in the semifinals, and you did not get at least one base player to adjudicate this competition. I was that's ridiculous. Yeah, because first of all, there's no one who understands the instrument, um, (laughs) on it. And so why there's no point in having a what's it called a talent scout on the like there's there's literally no point they could sit in the audience and figure out who they want to and also it's not even a, talent scouts girl even I got offered to get to get managed at one time and I'm just like no. you I told you that because you were there I know you I know you did and now um, why would why would why would you offer me uh, that doesn't make sense yeah it do it makes sense it to does me. not and you to know them. it doesn't you answer do, them. Made sense to them. Girl, it did not make sense. It, well, obviously made sense enough. You're the only one who don't think so, period. Katie's album, Loading. Girl, if you heard an album from me, call the local authorities because I've been taken under hostage. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's a cry for help. Okay. They, um, call my mama and see what she oh. says. Ask her the last time she heard from me. Okay. <laughs> um, what was I about to say? <laughs> yeah, but they had like multiple other. It was like probably like multiple violinists and multiple X, Y, and Z. And it's just like one. We just needed one. That's it. But maybe anyway. No maybe they didn't have. Do they ha- try to get. Okay, hold on. Relax. Fix your face. Um. <clears throat> Does the do they make the jury be PLC? I don't think completely. Oh well, that, that yeah. was mine. I think they tried to, but not completely. You know, Joe. Joe because I know, know Joe's been on it, I, I believe, and then Edison Ruiz has been on it, but they could have found they could have found somebody because I believe I don't believe the entire jury is all people of color. But you never know. Joe probably was you know doing something in. I mean, he was there that year. Oh, he was there. We spoke to him. Yeah. <laughs> he the reason why I met. Uh, I met. He was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, come over here." And it was him and Michael Fuller, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was I remember like, that. And yeah, and your friend, the one that went to Colburn, Louise. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I really don't belong over here." I really <laughs> girl, what are you talking? About? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm talking like let's let's literally be serious, like. Louise played anyway. down. I remember I did that thing, that random orchestra thing that was in Korea with him, mm-hmm. and he he has that. I think where is he from? You're from Venezuela. I don't want to say, huh? Is he from Venezuela? I want. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think he is from Venezuela, and so he has that style of playing. Yeah, I'm like, it's ridiculous. He is so good. He is so so good. They really did. Also, have you, I, I've done a side by side with the Bolivar Orchestra. It is crazy. Like <laughs> the way they play, yeah. It's just like so much power. And I'm like, girl, I'm like half of these. I was looking at him like half of these people are amateur musicians. They just wanted to do like a little community, global community orchestra. Some people were professional. Like I know the dude that was sitting in principal viola. Now he's in the singapore symphony like there were there were, it was a mix of people but i'm like you playing these people down they can't keep up <laughs> like period well yeah that's my news this week 
All right, so for the intermission, I just asked Delaney if there was the premiere of a song or a piece that she can go back and be there, back in time and be there for, what would it be? One is going to be from a genre of choice, and then one is going to be classical music. So let's do genre of choice first. Which genre, what song or piece do you wish you were at the premiere for? I mean, I'm gonna just uh, let me just go. There was one that I actually was at the premiere for that I would go back to. Does that count? Yeah. I was actually at I guess the live premiere of Formation when Beyonce came out with Formation. How are you? Oh, at the at the what's call it at the game Super Bowl? Yeah, Super Bowl. Because she came and she dropped. Uh, she dropped formation like the day before that. You know, it's funny because you know how I was kind of going through a whole thing where I didn't really listen to like recent music that much. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice until like right before. I have to be careful about what I say. <laughs> until right before that, they weren't playing the only song in the whole like when we would run through the show. That was the only song that they only played in our in ears. They didn't play out loud in the stadium, and I didn't realize that formation had come out yet. Mm. So. <laughs> And then when it dropped, everybody was like, Formation. I was like, oh, this is a new song. Because <laughs> I had listened to Self-Titled. Before, it came out before Lemonade. So, well, I had li- I knew some songs on it, but I didn't know every song on it. Mm-hmm. So, I just thought, oh, this is a Beyonce song that I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, But, I mean, also, like, the Formation. That was a whole thing. Like, that was a... Yeah. It was just a very... It just was. So, Yeah. Okay, my my genre is gospel, and it's not really okay. I don't know if I don't know if it's the premiere of a song. I don't I don't really care, but it's one of my favorite moments ever, and I go back and watch it at least once a year. And it is, um, Karen cheered. She was doing a concert, and it was lit. It was like Twinkie, her sister on the organ, all that stuff. And she calls Kiara Sheard, who's probably like between eight and ten at the time, up to mm-hmm. the stage. Like in a way that would happen like if you were like at a regular church service. And they were at a church, I believe. It might have been it was a huge church. Like it was like a huge church. And she called uh Kiara up to the stage to sing like the will of God, which um and Kiara did not know the words to it. So her mom was singing was telling her the words as she was singing and tore the whole place up like and this is like the voice this girl had on her at eight i would have loved to be there because like that would inspire me i'd be like i'm gonna try to sing too but um yeah it was such a beautiful moment and it was actually funny because like years later like maybe 10 years later um donnie mcclurkin interviewed uh karen and kiki and um he was like oh can y'all sing that song again that y'all sang like all them time years ago and and uh kiki still didn't know the words to it like she still <laughs> her mom still had to like feed her the words she's like 18 or 20 um and that's one of my favorite moments in gospel music period because it's just like there's so much like um innocence in that like it's church the service is about to be over your mama is probably the music minister or something or like the choir director and you come up there it's just like a, a pure moment and like this this is when you can see like oh Kier has like real talent like she, the way that her tone and everything and her not being intimidated but there was literally like thousands of people in that in that church it was a concert probably um it's her not being intimidated by that and like 
mimicking all the runs. It was the end of it. It's actually hilarious because <laughs> it, they had like a little. So um, they sang together at the end, and Karen was doing all these runs, and Kiki was doing all of them. And she she was just like she would do a run, and then Kiki would mimic, and then she started keeping up a little bit too good because she sounded so good. And her mom did a run that she just could not <laughs> do, and so she laughed it off because she was like, you know, keeping up. You know, mm. it's just like a a pure moment. Um, it's just so good. I'm actually gonna watch that after we're done with this. That reminds me of they have of their recording of "You Love Me," where it was like the opposite. Like she had like. Uh, Karen Clark Shear was like doing. They were doing like a call and response, mm-hmm. but then Kiki like took it off the rails and was doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. And that sh- that it was just that's one of my favorite that's recordings. Cool, of them. Though that's cool because it's like now she's at the point. I feel like without any disrespect, it's like now she's out singing her mom. But I mean, that's really what happened. She was like because she was yeah. doing repeat after me, and then she was like, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite gospel music recordings, but. Like and and Kiki, like people like outside of the gospel music probably don't really know her that well. She doesn't do she doesn't do crossover. Like she's not like Tasha Cobbs who like will collaborate across. Like she's really like ten toes down in gospel. Um but like she's one of the best singers of our time, in my opinion. Especially and if you wanna be like not as um generous, then at least in millennials, in the millennial generation hands down like um she did a she did a vocal challenge one of them tiktok vocal challenges and people were in the comments like girl you can sing oh my god I'm, and i'm just looking at the comments like you don't even know who Kira. this is <laughs> this is Kara sheer like <laughs> like girl this is so good and like also what was what was cool about that challenge i forgot who it was jasmine sullivan challenge it was that one no no, no. yeah when her album came out did she there was a there was a run that everyone was doing on tiktok everybody was doing this run and Kira did it like in her bed, laying down effortlessly. And they're like, "Not you laying down, girl! Not you singing this out." I'm like, "This is." And people in the comments were like, "Y'all don't know who this is. Like, this is that girl had a bonnet on, like, just effortlessly doing it. Like, she can sing, and all them grandkids can sing low key because Karen be on there with one of her grandkids, um, on Instagram playing. Same thing she did with Kiki, playing, singing, making them. I feel like if my mama knew how to sing. I would have been a millionaire by now." Because that say, kind of training. Imagine, imagine if your mom was like a violinist or something. She, you sitting up, you watching her do her concerto on the encore. She like, Katie, get your viola out. Come up here, do a little. <laughs> that would be cute though. You and I get up there. I'm freaking twelve, and we play uh, Mozart Symphony Concert Town from memory because that's like you that would is, be that's fun, you would be. I feel like I have a different view on viola. If my mama was, uh, yeah, you know, and that yeah, it was yeah. just normal to do that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it's true. Because right now it would have to be emancipation. Girl, if I was sitting in peaceful in the audience, someone would call me up to play something. Well, I'll tell you, I'd rather separate no. salt from sugar grain by grain. Uh, I'd rather mop up the ocean with a Q tube before. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> okay, classical. Yeah, at first I was like, I don't really know. But then I was like, you know what? If I go to the premiere to Firebird, just for the mess. Oh, you know what? That's tea. <laughs> for the white on white crime. <laughs> That's tea. Because <laughs> some folks was running out in the streets. I'm like, wow, look at all this white on white crime. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine being that 
like you couldn't could sleep during intermission or it's a piece <laughs> I don't know I don't care that story is so weird to me that never sat right with me it never yeah. sat right like imagine being at a movie okay imagine going to go see what movie did I not like I can't think of one I don't go to the movies but okay go back imagine if i go to the movies to go see think like a man right and the minute like you're like oh this is terrible and you just start riding in the movie theater <laughs> it's weird it's, strange. it's weird you got people scaling the walls ripping the um the screen down <laughs> throwing a popcorn drinks, yeah. right like or you could just leave it's literally you could just leave it's a concert hall. There's no no one strapped you down, <laughs> right? I guess it's an airplane. Like, girl, <laughs> they should have done that, that premiere in the airplane. Okay, could you imagine? Now you are uh, now you outside. You to see a, a plane spiraling. <laughs> um, my piece. Okay, my piece would be like um, would be Florence Price's Symphony Number One. When the Chicago Symphony premiered it, I believe in 1933. Cause I want to be there. I feel like because of like the Chicago Defender and stuff like that, I feel like black people were more tapped into what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I would love. I mean, and it's Chicago. It's the North. I mean, still very much Jim Crow. Are we Jim Crow yet? Yeah, very much Jim Crow. Very much segregation and hatred. However, because of Chicago, I wonder like was there like a black section? I wonder if black people were there. Like, what year was this? 1933, I believe. Oh yeah, that's like yeah. I feel like they were pretty early. significant because Great Migration, pretty significant amount of black people. Yeah, and it's you know it's the North, so it's like you know maybe, uh, um, who knows? But if I could have been there, I would be there because I would want to see that. I will. I would love to see that. Period. I was gonna say, um. My, my the runner up was the premiere of William Grant Seals Afro Symphony, but Afro American Symphony. However, um, I don't know, I don't know much about Rochester's uh, black community, like the history of that community. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. So um, I recently came across an article uh, from the New York Times about a a conductor by the name of Everett Lee, um, who recently passed away at the age of 105. So he is known to be uh, the first black conductor on Broadway and also the first um, black conductor to conduct a white orchestra in the South. Um, And he later went on to have a career in Europe. So I'm going to talk a little bit about his Uh, background and then we're going to dive into um, the primary topic of the episode so um, he started off um, as a student as a violinist um, in West Virginia Um, his parents kind of like saw his talent and then they moved um, to Cleveland uh, where he was kind of taken under the he was taken under the mentorship of uh, the Cleveland Orchestra's conductor, Arthur Rosinski. Um, after that, 
Um, he also went on uh, to study with the then concert master of, of the Cleveland Orchestra at CIM. Um, he also, a fun thing about, not fun, but an interesting thing about the article, he, he had trained to be a Tuskegee Airman. Um, he got injured, so he was released from that, but he went on to play um, in many orchestras throughout New York, and that's kind of how he got into into conducting. He also studied with Ser- Sergei uh, Kusevitsky at the Boston Symphony, um, and he conducted the Boston Pops in 1949. He has a lot of, I would say, a lot of different um, like experiences in conducting that. Personally, I didn't know about, so I was like very very much like how did I not know that this man existed um like I said he was the first black conductor on Broadway so a lot of that is you know kind of another space from classical music but still he had he did have a lot of um a lot of experience um in the traditional um classical music realm um worked a lot with Leonard Bernstein which is actually kind of how he got his uh start in Broadway um and also did did his part in creating spaces for black musicians like for example he started an orchestra called the cosmopolitan little symphony um in new york city um and programmed a lot of black composers etc etc so in i believe 1957 um he decided to leave the u.s um to go to europe because uh, he was not getting a lot of opportunities here in the u.s obviously i mean one one of his chronic accomplishments which i said in the beginning was him being the first conductor to conduct a, a white orchestra in the south but for a long time that wasn't even possible like that was one of the reasons why he left he was denied a lot of uh, auditions as a violinist um and just denied a lot of opportunities in general as a black musician and he uh, moved to europe because he found that he was able to be uh, more successful there for example he conducted the berlin philharmonic again how do we not know about this man um but yeah that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today that sort of later part of his life where he moved to where he moved to europe because our sphinx session which is going to be happening live on friday um we're going to be talking about sort of this question of should black people be staying in classical music um, not necessarily encouraging anybody to leave, but all, but just discussing um, this sort of like renaissance that we're seeing around people creating their own things and whether it's more appropriate for or or just better in general um, f- for black people to stay and try to create change or create, you know, um, a better environment for themselves in the spaces that exist in classical music or um leave altogether and i think that this is a sort of a sub um a subtopic under that because he did not leave classical music as a profession but he made a pretty significant um shift and move by by going to europe um to find success i'm very curious what happened to his the i'm looking for the name of it but the orchestra that he found, like he started, like I wouldn't, I want to do some more research on that to see, like, um, what became of that group. Did they continue on without him, or whatever? Because I feel like a lot of black people do that here when they don't 
want to leave um, want to leave america or don't they they start their own things here we see that with gateways with color of music um and the ritz carlton ritz carlton ritz chamber rich players, chamber players the rich chamber players um where people don't want to leave and they they stay here and they make their own spaces especially something like the rich chamber players and gateways which are older institutions um completely addressing the a problem of not being in those spaces mm-hmm. i know that the um the ensemble that he created i know it no longer exists but i wonder what it um what kind of the history was of it uh, how long it existed after um after he was gone like i wonder that's also like a kind of another question about like longevity because like a lot of these orchestras like the major orchestras have been along for so have been around for so long and obviously they were not always at the you know the budget the everything that they are now like at Mm -hmm. some point they had to be sort of kept chugging along by somebody um and obviously like you, you just named a couple of places that we have that have been able to experience you know longevity for as long as they've been around obviously um not as long as you know some of the older orchestras that we that we have but that's literally just time um but I also like wonder about that in relation to our institutions in classical music like I guess we do have more places like that like for example like Nam, because like Nathaniel mm-hmm. Dead and Nora Holt mm-hmm. were like a part of that, and that's still Nam is still around. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I also think I mean we hear about this all the time. The first time I heard about um, a migration to Europe was with Josephine Baker. Like I know she left and she found <clears throat> lots of success in Paris. Um, so it wasn't a, a new concept to me, but it was interesting to see it like in classical music and then also within something like classical music, him having so much success. Like Josephine Baker, she was a dancer. She wasn't a ballet dancer. So she wasn't trying to get nobody's company or anything like that. Um, and she had success and everything. But for you to go to the source of the whiteness and have more success than in America is like really crazy to me. And also very shameful on America because it's just like, like they going to he going to the source and he connecting the Berlin field and maybe the Berlin field isn't actually I was gonna say maybe the Berlin field isn't what it is now but I feel like our orchestras are more comparable to to a level of excellence that the Berlin field has because orchestras are fairly new in America whereas they've been around forever so and for you to go there and um do that I feel it's very shameful on America's part and just like in our in our, our history yeah <laughs> I think um what was I about to say I think it, it's very interesting to see people kind of go like seek that in Europe just considering the role that Europe has played in the world um but that's like a whole other thing I feel like we've talked about that in classical in classical music before like I I am very curious just like about the culture around music in Europe because it's like it's very much like it's so much more embedded there and I feel like 
how much is integrated into like just their regular life in society has like shown up in like how they have accepted like black musicians but then there's also a lot of things about race that that we see in classical music specifically they're behind on like for example when we talk about like using blackface in opera and like even though the Met didn't really didn't officially ban that until like 2009 um and like we still we definitely still have issues about that here I feel like it's in Europe they're like we don't even see the problem yeah <laughs> no like what are y'all mad about or like the y'all got white people doing porgy and bass like <laughs> I feel like that's an interesting um dynamic but yeah we still i feel like we still see people even i've heard that from people today who have been like yeah i moved to germany or something and like even though they do experience um racism in their like everyday life they found like success in um in music specifically um and it's even greater in like some of america's like musical exports like jazz is um it's really big like a lot of jazz musicians find success abroad a lot of them yeah my friend danny he moved to vienna he he be everywhere he be bopping all around like jazz is huge in korea he was there for a a minute like um i think i think with the people moving to germany i feel like everybody moves to germany because there's so much like classical music is they thing like there's so much opportunity to play with so many different orchestras and actually make a, a substantial living um because some of the some of the per service fees here be having me laughing i'm like are y'all really offering offering that you know whereas like there's so many orchestras yeah um in germany for people to play to, to play with that they they just go out there and do their thing and make money and i have to live in america so that's also that yeah, I forgot who it was. So it was somebody talk somebody who was saying how like I believe it was in Germany or like maybe Austria or something where it's like every town has an orchestra. That like, like makes money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, like it's like a orchestra. It is. That so is crazy. I, that what's her name? Sarah, the violinist. She been in Germany for probably a decade at this point. Oh. Living over there. And I've even explored it, but I just don't, I don't really like Germany. And also, um, I don't want to stay here. For the first time in my life, I realized that, like, last week, I think I'm going to stay in America for, like, some of the plans I have. But, um, yeah, Germany got money for that kind of stuff. And they 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 value it, but then also you got to deal with whatever comes with that. Yeah. I'm sure, and especially, oh, what was you going to say? No, I was gonna say you will never play a black composer. Ever. Not so. not in this decade at least. Maybe next, maybe they accidentally come upon a uh Sam Coach Taylor, they might be like, Oh, this this is okay. We could do this for the children's concert. Um What's up for the say? Yeah, I, I was just gonna say like I would just wonder how that was at that time i'm sure it was probably he was probably like girl it's not gonna make much of a difference especially coming from freaking west virginia he probably feels free in the freaking 20 like oh gosh my grandma grew up in west virginia i've heard a story so <laughs> i remember was it frederick douglas that was talking about in his memoirs talking about or in a letter he was talking about how like i'm a free man here like he was a friend where he was taking a train he was writing a letter on a train 
it might have been England, I believe, or something like that. He was like, I'm a free man here. Like, I'm a man first. They don't look at my color. So it might have been like a, a breath of fresh air for him to be like, even though it seemed like he wanted to be in America. That's what it, that's what the article made it seem like it. But at least, you know, you not to do that. Yeah, I think that's part of like, like a, part of a question I feel like a lot of black musicians are asking themselves about basically just like what they're willing to tolerate or put up with or just experience in general because like he had said in the article like in uh, one of the quotes in the article was that like he would be he would like to come back to America or like he would be totally fine but he also um wasn't he said he wasn't going to do it unless he was offered you know a position at one of the major symphonies because I feel like that's what he was on like that's what he was qualified for and um he was comparable to those conductors and he wasn't finna settle for nothing less and so he he actually said that some of the two of the orchestras that he was denied auditions to as a violinist he came back and conducted them oh that's right period period I also feel like, I feel like he, he also was in a time where like black people, black people, I feel like out of necessity, they had to make their own things. And I feel like what the ch- the change now has been like, we shouldn't have to make our own things, you know? And I feel like that's probably the difference in, like, I remember we talked about this before on on this show because it was around that time where that guy had came from a San Francisco symphony and they did, he did like a little talk or whatever in the Chiminelli lounge. And this one dude who was like very overzealous and doing way too much was like, well, if like, if American orchestras like aren't changing their ways, like why can't you just like make your own stuff? And I remember being like incredibly offended by that as, as anyone should be. Um, it's cause we shouldn't have to, but it's like when with Jim Crow and all the terrible things happening in our country and actually low-key still happening um it's like well he had to make his own stuff he had to make his own he had to make his own way yeah i feel like that that also goes into like i was telling you that conversation i had with my grandma about like in in situations where it's like where you have to you have to kind of decide between i shouldn't have to do this but it's not gonna get done unless i do or I shouldn't have to do this, so I'm not going to. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like for him, it's like, should I have to f- literally flee my country to, you know, be taken seriously and given job opportunities and whatever? He could have been like, no, I shouldn't have to, so I'm going to just stay here and persist and X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what would his quality of life have been like? I know he had children, you know what would their quality of life have been like like i feel like there's also like real life real life like implications or or i would say like motivations behind why someone might choose that path but also like i'm also kind of on the side of i shouldn't i'm i'm actually more i don't know if this is like philosophically or just like in practice i'm more on the side of i shouldn't have to so i'm not going to Hmm. but also i mean classically black exists so maybe maybe i'm not as much as i um as much as i think i am but also classically black i feel like wasn't born out of there's no podcast for us so 
you know like that's yeah, really not what it came from so yeah i feel like for me i'm i think i'm in the middle like i shouldn't have to but i'm finna type mm-hmm. thing for, especially for something i really care about um that's that's where i'm at because like we really shouldn't have to but it's it's amazing like how many people are like incredibly dense so it's like a lot of these conversations those insane incredibly dense people are the ones making the decisions and doing all this stuff so it's like are you gonna keep having these conversations about certain things are you just gonna make it happen yourself because like black people deserve to have that certain thing i think this depends on the topic um i think it depends on the topic and in the in the area for me yeah it's really hard because it really just be because i feel like it has the potential to make you mad over and over again that's what it kind of does for me like when i'm doing something i should not have to be doing this is like eating at the back of my mind it's like especially when it gets hard because it's like everything's gonna everything is going to get hard but like when you see that other people have the opportunity to just like function regularly in life um in institutions that were like built for them and you see like the ease of that it's like just very like dang i'm really over here breaking breaking my back doing everything because y'all won't do the work to make institutions that are acceptable um or rather accepting of everybody that's what it just depends on like also where you how much you care and how and what what role you play like are you a change maker like a lot of people don't a lot of people just want to go to work like my uncle just be going to work my mom just go to work like i feel like a majority of people in my personal life they just go to work they they happy to be here like whatever they went to school they did the thing and like they don't they don't want to they don't i mean while it would be nice they don't like they don't need to see Easter Ray creating a, a tv show for them they don't need to see like be they don't need to be represented on anything they don't need like it's like they are here to to live life they and they already occupy black spaces so they don't i feel like a lot of times like if i'm thinking about my mom like she goes to a black church she has black friends she goes back to her her well i mean jamaica may not be ridiculous jamaica is still very black so she goes back to jamaica like they live in that space so it's just like okay yeah we gotta do the thing outside and then but as like change makers they want to see like things represented they want to see more equity and, and stuff like that it depends on like your mindset and like where you where you view yourself in society and like the impact you want to have mm-hmm. but i also feel like yeah and then also those people also probably have that desire because like for me for me like i very much have the desire to just go to work but also it just won't sit right with me you know mm-hmm it, to do that so so then maybe you don't have a desire just to go to work there are people who had a desire to go to work and that's exactly what they're gonna do yeah but i feel like that's what i would like to do but it's also just like you know what I mean? it's like i feel like th- there are some people who i don't want to say they don't care but like yeah they don't feel like the urge to but like the urge for me at least does not come from a desire because in an ideal world i wouldn't have to do any of this and i remember i heard i think it was amanda seals that said that she don't want to be in a position that if black people someday 
you know get over this that she's out of a job you know what i mean because some people are are set up that way where it's like actually probably not in their best interest for black people to (laughs) to, uh to get over some of the things that that we're faced with Mm -hmm. and so i just feel like just thinking idealistically yeah actually if we're going even further of course my everyone knows my desire is not to go to work it's the exact opposite so okay so i mean i don't know what does anyone desire to work yes or do they desire Mm -hmm. money no some people like to work some people are busy bodies they like to work and they like to actually work because they like to feel useful my stepdad is like that and it's not just being busy because my mom she don't like to work but she likes to be doing things so she could be gardening she could be da, da, da. my stepdad no he needs to go to work like it's oh. not like oh i'm working on this project at home it's like no i want to clock in it's incredible i've never met anyone like that ever <laughs> i i'm a busybody. i like doing a lot of things but i just like doing a lot of things yes yeah but he likes like because it's not just doing because like you know my mom said let's go play tennis let's do this this." like and those are things your day is filled with things but no his day needs to be filled with work why or does he just feel like he's not doing nothing i'm just like that's so interesting yeah because like why and also what you gonna do when you retire or you not exactly that's what she said she thinks he's gonna have a real problem with retirement because like he went back to work after being in the hospital he was like well you know i'm ready it's like what no <laughs> like people they had to like really like tell him for real you need to not go back to work like they really had to like make sure that he wasn't about to get up and go back to work so what did he do during that time? They were just at home, but it was killing them. That's weird to me. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and I feel like I might know someone like that. I'm trying to think. Was my my grandpa was a my my grandpa was a worker. My grandpa worked up until he passed. I think he got really sick, maybe like a year or like nine months out. So then he finally stopped going to work, and I'm like, and what I mean, finally, like that he just like working. So actually, yeah, I think like mainly men, but yeah, I think mainly just also because a lot of like the like I feel like a lot of self worth is is attached to usefulness, working, Mm -hmm. providing that kind of thing. So because my dad is an extreme workaholic as well, so I was gonna say maybe it turns into the type of work because my uncle is not. <laughs> my uncle goes to work because he has to. <laughs> well, you know what period he like, he's he's broken through like when he you catch my uncle on the weekends he's got his feet kicked up with his ipad and the tv on and a, a cocktail not even a cocktail what am i saying straight rum so shout out to carl <laughs> like or he's hanging out with his friends so I was gonna say, I, and I don't know, I don't, I've never lived with my uncle Douglas. So I don't know. Mm. I've never been around him in his house, in his home a lot, rather because he was in New Jersey. So to to know about that, but I feel like 
me and my uncle are very similar. I could I would never be bored ever. I, I can't I don't have the potential, but I'm being a busybody or just laying in the bed. I'm like I I maybe it's the only child thing. I don't know. I cannot ever like that whole like when the pandemic hit, oh, I'm so bored. You are? Look all your all your favorite things are at home. All your favorite things are here. The gang's all here. What are you bored for? Babe, tighten up. Stand up. You weak in the knees. All right. <laughs> but yeah. You got anything else to add? Not really. I mean, y'all could let us know what you think. Um or y'all could wait until we do our the live show and see, you know, little part two. We're gonna be talking, you know, more broadly about the subject. But let us know what y'all think about this whole I guess sort of dilemma that a lot of people are coming to terms with especially after like the pandemic where people are like a lot of people are in this like reevaluating their lives and priorities space but yeah yeah and you can hear like yeah like i feel like we'll be more in depth so you can hear more you might as well come on down to sphinx and it's gonna be online so even if you can't yeah they're gonna put the recording back up so we're probably gonna put it up too so you know what matter of fact it's probably gonna be the next episode so if you can't come on down <laughs> yeah I probably it will be so actually this is part one <laughs> um that's perfect actually great grand <laughs> moving on yeah all right y'all it's time for black excellence where we hype you up gas you up and give you your props so there's room for everyone at the top who are you talking about Delaney? Okay, so this week I'm talking about Evan Wright. Um, Evan is a singer, composer. Um, he composes uh, music for uh, TV and film. Um, he's from Pasadena, California, um, and got his start in music um, in church, singing Negro spirituals and gospel music. Um, when he went to high school, he started writing music for large and small jazz ensembles and producing his own work. Um, Evan and I actually went to high school together. Um, so shout out to him. And he also created his first band and, um, started performing in venues across Los Angeles when he was in high school. Um, and he moved on to New England Conservatory in Boston, where he founded his own, uh, combo, the right combo. He produced three albums. He started hosting live concerts, and he also went on his first. Um, he went on to score his first ten-minute short film as a junior um, in college. Um, we graduated the same year, twenty twenty, um, and so when he graduated during the pandemic, he started his journey as a film composer, um, working to support himself while he did that. Um, while he was composing on the side, and within six months. He became a full-time composer, period. Um, and now he's actually working on a really ambitious project. Um, I don't mean that uh, like a backhanded way. He literally said that himself. Um, um, it's an album called Memories. And the album is also going to be uh, accompanied by a film. Um, and so the album is it's kind of like a concept album. And it's based off of his life. Um, and, um, the commitment to his dreams and just like everything that he's worked for. Um, he's also going to, uh, work in, um, some of the, 
um, influences that his identity as a young black man living in America has um, has had on his art and his life um, and just his experiences. He's actually raising money to create this album and the film. So I will link um, some things in, in the description for you all to read more about Evan, listen to some of his work. Um, and also if you can, uh, support his, his upcoming project memories. Yeah. Period. Shout out to you. Um, my piece of the week is Rococo Variations because Danielle Wilson is here, um, with MSO and she's playing it down. Um, if you don't know Danielle, she, um, won Sphinx's, I don't know if she won. She might be a finalist. I don't, I don't want to misspeak, but um their sopa competition last year so mm. um it's a cute little piece um it sounds it feels better to play with the soloist because we were when we were doing like the rehearsal of it i was like not chiking these random notes but with it together piece of piece is good it's now shout out to daniel all right y'all thank you so much for listening to classically black podcast don't forget to follow us on social media at classically black podcast you have a piece of the week suggestion black excellence suggestion intermission suggestion Classical Black Podcast at gmail.com at the Classical Black Podcast on social media. If you're black, join ISBM, isblackmusicians.com at isblackmusicians on social media. And we will catch y'all next week. Bye, y'all.